two uh, bearded guys from with no spins and septum mm-hmm. like they've come from delhi and they'll just uh, like go around and trouble their the girls in the village and oh, that was the reputation <laughs> that's a common <laughs> reputation by the way in some cities up yeah. in the hills and peaceful places people coming from delhi oh mm-hmm. no yeah It's yeah. going to be uh, a Bluetooth speaker somewhere. It's probably there. not. It's probably not even oh, yeah. have a, a concept of personal space. Mm-hmm. It's the culture. exact opposite of Japan, I feel. Like yeah. they, they have such a great sense of personal space, but here yeah. in our country, no. Our parents don't even knock before entering our door. So there's no concept. I mean, if you tell your parents, can you please knock before entering? They're like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> what wrong thing are you doing? There's no right to tell. Hi everyone and welcome to Don't Run Into Glass a podcast hosted by the citizen.in I'm Gayati and I'm Anika and Anika what are we chatting about today Today we're chatting to two brothers who are constructing with their bare hands a gorgeous gorgeous house uh, up in the mountains and um, I I think there is just so much uh, fascination that I have for something like that because you know to build something to create something but at the same time living in a village remote village setting is like i can't wait to get to know their story you just want to go to that village and live in this mud house i have been actually the first time when i learned about this when one of our guests uh, told us about that it has been on the top of my list of things to do i i don't know i don't know about you but i know about you actually <laughs> you also like a good you know hand uh, hard outdoorsy know, chore i, I have know. taken you out then you like them You you resist them, but you like them, and it's been on the top of my list, and I've been wanting to go. Um, and soon, I I will be there helping them out too. I hope God enough. You also. Okay, so we are going to ask you guys to introduce yourselves and uh, let us know if Anika is invited <laughs> invited to the mud house. Both of you are hundred <laughs> percent. Okay, let's start with you. Please introduce. Uh, yeah, I am Ansh, and yeah, I mean. You're building a mud house, <laughs> and I'm building. I'm a house. building a mud house. Like uh, I'm also an architect. I'm also an artist. Yeah, I think. See, like, that's the reason I think he hesitates. Like, what do I say first? Do I say artist, architect, uh, construction worker, community <laughs> builder? What do I say first, right? Yeah, l- laborer. <laughs> laborer, yeah. That's uh, that's probably an accurate description. And you wanted to be an archaeologist, you told us. Yeah, that was. Um, Oh, that was you. Yeah. Sorry, you guys. Uh, we keep. You said people yeah, confuse yeah. you for twins, but yeah, you're not yeah. twins. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Raghav, tell us about. Uh, hi, I am Raghav, and recently I told myself that I won't be, you know, like putting myself in any category. So I would just like to call myself right now like a me- multimedia creator, because I feel we are all, you know, like culmination of the stories we tell ourselves. Okay, this is what we are, and that's quite self-limiting. But for the last two, three years. We've been architects, natural builders, material researchers, and also working on some artworks with uh, things like biomaterials, such as mycelium, seaweed, yeah. algae. And mostly, the last two years, people know us for our studio called Tiny Farm Lab, mm-hmm. which is a circular rural design studio, which tries to blur boundaries and cross-stitch architecture, design, science, technology. 
and indigenous wisdom by focusing on uh, bio-based materials and we are trying to you know like uncover and unravel the layers of the bio region we are working in which is Uttarakhand and uh, yeah basically that's what we've been up to for last years. Building so what does it mean land. a circular can you define that? Because that feels like there's more meaning to that. Uh, right. How I does mean, one work towards a If circular? you want to go by the exact definition, I would like, because sometimes people need a technical definition for it, I would request them to you know, Google Ellen MacArthur definition for circular design and circularity. But if I try and, and like explain you in layman language, basically cradle to cradle, basically, you know, closing the loop. Mm -hmm. So if suppose you're building with mud, once you know what happens at the end of its life cycle so it should go back into like the earth right but what is happening is like you're building with cement and once the building gets broken down it's just malba and there is another friend who's already working on it okay well, let's get the basics first in place right. you guys are building uh, this mud house which is a natural obviously like a natural form of uh, building and you're using natural building materials where exactly in uttarakhand is this located this is uh, at 15 minutes from Rishikesh on the Neel, towards the Neelkant Road. Okay. Uh, yeah, so there's a place called Foolchatti and from there that's where the trek starts to our place. And the village is called Dhunar Gaon. And how uh, did you guys choose this village or did it choose you? Just <laughs> find the place <laughs> while having a walk. It chose us. <laughs> yeah, I think, so like the story goes by like because we were, you know, trying to, you know, switch to this kind of lifestyle and actually the mud house wasn't the reason we wanted to like shift there. Tiny Farm Lab is mostly a consequence of a, life, a lifestyle yeah. choice. So you both wanted to like live our lives intentionally because there's so much distraction in cities, you know, there's so much layers thrown at you and we wanted to, you know, take things slow and I think the period of COVID allowed us, you know, to do that and introspect that we should finally make this move and live this slow life where we could build things like which are sacred with our own hands, with our authentic, you know, also explore our human potential, both physically, mentally and even emotionally. So we wanted to do that and while doing that, we just told our parents, you know, like we want to do something like that and but we didn't have the capital that time. so. My dad had a friend, Rishikesh, who's like really kind, Mr. Deepak. So we went there and I was like, Dad, there's no point because we can't afford all these you know, expensive land and right now we don't want to put that much capital. But he was like, doesn't matter, we can at least go window shopping, right? So, and this, after seeing like few land, this was the land when you like really know intuitively, okay, before just seeing the land, you had that feeling, okay, this is going to be it. And even though it was like a two kilometer trek, we just thought like we have to start somewhere and you know like situations are never perfect but yeah. I don't think we regret any part of no, the journey so far. Yeah. What it, was the reaction of the villagers to you guys coming in uh, and like building your, I mean because most people probably want to use cement. That's did, they, probably, did they ask you where <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, so it was basically like two uh, bearded guys from with nose pins and septum mm -hmm. like they've come from Delhi and they're just uh, like go around and trouble their the girls in the village. And oh, that was the reputation. <laughs> That's a common <laughs> reputation, by the way. Cities, Up yeah. in the hills and peaceful places, people coming from Delhi. Oh, oh yeah. no. Yeah. 
It's yeah. going to be uh, a Bluetooth speaker somewhere. It's probably, <laughs> not, it's probably not even unfounded. It's probably, I mean, tourists, especially Delhi, Delhi tourists, I know have a fairly yeah. bad reputation. Mm. But now you guys have been accepted. Yeah, I mean, it started mm. off as like, this was the, obviously the perception, the initial perception. And then even after that, when we told them we want, we want to build something like this, it was like, so and then my they, favorite line to challenge back. One more time. <laughs> yeah, but our I think that was something that came very intuitively and which was a very good thing was that we we uh, took it as okay, like you tell us how it's done. So they told us like every single tool, they told us how to use it. Our landlord's mother, uh, Dadi, we, she lives with us. So she taught us a lot of things. She taught us how to like make rotis, like use uh, all the tools. Sickle or Sickle, crowbar, yeah. everything like axe, how to collect firewood, how to gather like water. Yeah. Because we didn't have anything like it was, you didn't have like a water tank or anything. You had to fetch water from, yeah, from the, the nearest water canal, channel, yeah. which was like spring water. So Dadi is like now our Dadi and we are her yeah. grandchildren. So yeah. that was a very beautiful relationship that we developed. And all the indigenous wisdom was like passed on to us from her. So like in any relationship, trust has to be built and earned. Yeah. And we knew that. And initially we were like, you know, like how you bring in a foreigner to somewhere who people who haven't like seen white people, they see it like, you know, zoo, uh, animal in the zoo. So we were like those two people trying to like cut <laughs> chop straw, like with delicate hands. I just hands. would love to be a fly in the wall <laughs> yeah. of when those people who saw you went home and discussed as to what are we looking at? You know, yeah. what are these guys doing? <laughs> yeah, because I mean, and I think the reason why I asked that question is that because it's very easy to romanticize like the fact that, okay, you give up your city life and you go work and live in a village. Um, but obviously, there are people for whom that's their everyday reality. And I think you guys speak about this in one of the videos that Anika shared with me about how people in India are increasingly living, leaving villages mm. and are migrating to cities in search of job opportunities or a better standard of living. And in fact, you guys, I think in the video, called it the ghost villages of Uttarakhand. Yeah. And I was actually quite surprised that there's a significant number of villages that are now deserted in Uttarakhand because there's a one-way migration. Yeah. And obviously that is happening because life in the village is not that attractive to the future generations or the younger generation that is now getting better access to education and wants to have a better standard of living. So how do you see your project potentially addressing this problem of migration to cities that are not really able to absorb the number of people that are coming in? Yeah, I mean, so we want to eventually make this village as an as an art village or a self-sustaining village firstly whatever the method or means be uh, but yeah like the major reasons people do go out is uh, that we have seen in our village is schools so the school the nearest school to the village is in another village which is one and a half hours trek so one of the girls from our village goes there every day, like one and a half hours one way. And that is like an isolated path and there are animals, of course, it's a wild forest. 
so most of the parents who have gotten jobs or have a slightly better income they want them to go to at least rishikesh and have that schooling for them mm-hmm. so that i think is a major reason but yeah like uh, what else is there I mean, yeah, that's the major reason school and of course better standards of living and so one that was one of the reasons for us you know trying to shift there so i don't want to like sound like sitting on a higher horse but we thought maybe as designers how we could use like our powers for good and you know like go there and do something for these people there's so much migration happening we went with that perspective but when you go there you can't tell them you know like why are you building with a cement house why are you moving to the city like when we yeah. are coming here Yeah. Because we have already seen all this thing, you know, like once, because we have only shown them that picture that this is the beautiful life, or like you know, in America how they say like the Jones or like, yeah, like yeah. the Jones kind of thing. The American that's, dream. Yeah, yeah, the American dream for them. That's the city dream. Yeah. Yeah. And for us, we realized to like do something sustainable or work on circularity. First, we need to really eradicate poverty, you know. And they have always been like fight for resources there in the mountains. so to come to the solution part of it what our plan is like now once we have built the trust you know now slowly they have started you know to see okay they are doing something the foreigners are coming to help them and like the volunteers we want to eventually move into creating symbiotic circular economies by that we mean that we take up materials that we search in the bio region could be anything you know like just rediscover them like banana fiber or lantana which is like an invasive species which is a weed you might have seen the elephant in the india art fair no by urja yes yes so yes, that was made yeah. out of that uh, okay, weed so basically yes. it's a it's called sorrow of india also in a way mm-hmm. because it's such an invasive species that it just like grows Trace really over everywhere yes. so you have to take up these materials at the same time you know involve women who are not employed right now and how they can just sit in their homes and you know work yeah. with these kind of materials and also inculcate values like fair share transparency and create such models that could be replicated you know for creating products mm-hmm. so basically trying to um asking like the social capital to meet the intellectual capital in the village and make the gandhian ideology of gram swaraj like making yeah. the village self sustainable in some way yeah. so it's we are at a very nascent stage Be- because they they also do that themselves like mm-hmm. they with weed straw they make their own baskets and obviously like they do something to the they don't soak up the roti so much when they use it mm. and they make their own like hats with beautiful sarees dadi has made like uh, knitted uh, the beds like hats yeah with old sarees from all the ladies from the village and it's beautiful like it's mm. a piece of art and to like maybe take that forward and like you know help them also to reach more people mm. that would be like an amazing thing mm. to do because all our uh, all our neighbors uh, have maggi shops at the tourist point mm. so the point where our trek starts it is basically a rafting point okay so all of the men and also women they go for the maggi shops and the sons are rafting guides yeah. so okay. that's how the econo- economy works currently you mentioned that uh, you had all sorts of people coming it sounds like you've first i wanted to ask how long has it been since you're doing it i know you started during the lockdown pondering over it but then has it led you to build a community over there and 
Um, how is that community sort of responding and learning from that village? Because obviously there is a lot of local um, intelligence of the materials that you guys have chosen to work with, which you are learning from your neighbors, from you know the village elders, the village wise men and women. So tell me a little bit about a community that you have sort of built there. And how does one access you guys? And what do they do? What does a day look like? I think community was something that we were like from day one we wanted to build something like a community or some community we could call a tribe. So we call it TFFs which is like tiny farm friends. So now I think we have quite a big community and yeah. like people we have hosted like volunteers from more than 20 countries so more than like 70 people yeah. might have worked on the house already. So yeah. I think the whole idea is that there is a lot of exchange of culture and people come there like they, it's like you know when they're transforming the mud house but in a way they're transforming themselves Same. because when you're doing it it's such like an intuitive process it puts you in the state of flow and maybe we two are working together right so we, we are both having our own healing journey discussing something while working at the mud house yeah. there's a lot of conversations happening around the house then in the evenings, then in the mornings, everybody have their own morning routine. So you're always, always, you know, picking up good things from like every person, Each people coming from Japan, like how they see their food and how, what kind of prayers they make before their food. So mm. for us, like we already wanted to travel before we started this, but in a way now we are asking people to come here. So we are still gaining that cultural capital. Mm. So, and sustainability point of view, yeah, when they come there, like, they see the indigenous people, you know, like go there, collect, uh, you know, like these uh, bimal tree fibers and how they can make ropes out ropes of it. Right. So everybody has like sharing knowledge. So I mean, it's like a collective, uh, I would say cultural capital that is being accumulated. It's, it generally starts with the kitchen, of course, because it's like the easiest way in. So like learning to make food from Dadi or when we are making rotis, they come and like, oh, this is very interesting. How do they have to be round or whatever? And then it goes on to how we use the tools, how the baskets are made. Then like when women, the women go to get the grass for their cattle, like that is very interesting to them. So they, from filling water to everything, then they really try to, I think all of we have been lucky to have these people for sure like they are so open-minded and like warming that we as well uh, in exchange give that back yeah. so they are completely try to weave in our routines and uh, the things that we have to do to make it running like the everything and like they will randomly we are looking for someone and they are like chilling with the villagers and they don't know the language yeah. they're just talking in sign languages and it's amazing to see how they converse like uh, one of our friends he was from france his mother came in so our neighbor is like Ki, she can be my mother and like you can take my my mother <laughs> to france and like yeah so it's like a very it becomes like a warm warmth based like a community living where in the evening everyone is sitting together sharing stories yeah. i mean it sounds really uh, like peaceful and beautiful but what what about what happens when you guys fight 
or you don't you don't fight like I mean, amongst yeah. each other yeah, i bet you other. boys fight with each other mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. he's like build the house like this you're like no build it like that how do you like I'm like, kidding actually. No, that's a very valid question. <laughs> we, like we have a very, I mean we fight for sure. But it's not like fighting anymore because we have lived with each other for two and a half years and mostly it has been us. Like for yeah. the permanent parts are us, right? So it becomes, after a point it's a very, like we discuss all of it and uh like we both are obviously very opinion opinionated people but then we come to a common ground which is like some things don't really matter so much and so it 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 is not like fights anymore rather than goes down to discussions and then yeah i mean if we were to live in a remote village <laughs> i think get if we would have uh, you know all sorts of ups and downs and it would be so nice beautiful peaceful dramatic but everything you know yeah i think we are just too <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how that would go down for two and a half years yeah. but on a on a serious note um yeah. so this is a mud house what exactly is a mud house and how are the materials for it sourced are they sourced locally uh what exactly do you use to build this mud like house what when you get the mud i i'm assuming you would get them locally because yeah. i think if you have a 2 km trek or mal lana everything is you know like you need a mule or you're carrying it so it's all in how much what is the ra- meters. 150 meters yeah. is your radius of collection 90% of the 90% materials you have sourced from there so the mud house that you're building you're using the cob technique so basically cob is an english word for a rounded mass so what we are trying to do is like make a dough of mud and yeah. straw which is straw like wheat straw rice straw so which is also a major cause of pollution in like delhi and say the stubble going yeah there. so we are in fact using that material in it so that provides extra fiber and strength to the mud house so you have to like we have like a big tarp where yeah. every day we dance on our favorite songs mm-hmm. with our favorite people around mm-hmm. and friends yeah. coming over we have like music from albania to like yeah you know, brazil or even yeah. japanese rock everything so yeah. we make sure we like keep changing the genre so we are basically dancing and making that dough which you with your hand press it into the wall and it's a very slow and labor intensive process it's like how kids play with play dough right and exactly. then you, you just mold it, it and yeah. just leave it to dry right yeah. and there's an adhesive basically mud is acting as, as. its own adhesive so mm-hmm. If it gets too dried, then you add a little bit of water and wet it before you put the another layer. Mm-hmm. And if it mm-hmm. doesn't dry too quickly, then you have to wait for it; otherwise, it will slump. So. And how weather-resistant is this technique? Like, this house has the ability to like last rain, yeah, storms. That's a very valid and the most yeah. common question and the myth right. surrounding <laughs> mud houses. So there is a saying which goes in the natural building uh, circle. It's called the house should have a good hat. and a good boot basically a good foundation like it should be raised well with like stone or okay like a platform and it should have like a good roof a uh, good roof like you can imagine like if you go with like gum boots and umbrella you don't get with that much right? yeah and mud houses have survived like for more than thousands of years you can check like shebam which are like seven story mud houses taos yeah. pueblo in mexico this fujian yeah. tulus in china so they have like outlasted civilizations that's incredible okay yeah yeah, yeah. So yeah, during our workshops, like we have this presentation, and where like we show them the possibilities and what already has been built over the over centuries, and that's when like 
minds open up as well like what you're building can live it's basically a growing structure so like it is just 100 or 120 year old yeah. material now you can imagine like what was happening before that human yeah. timeline is like so, so big so just mm-hmm. is like just last 100 years we've been using cement that much i'm not saying it's a bad material nothing is a bad material but neither is plastic you yeah. need like if you're like somebody is dying you need plastic to carry the blood right so depending on how you are using it how much you are using it and what That's kind of marriage you are making with the material is what we really need to think as a society and especially as responsible designers mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. maybe then take this conversation forward and even probably as artists i think yeah so, i think yeah. like for me i'm finding more and more when i meet people who not only work as artists but also architects and um, you know in the um, arena of creating things there's like a design re- revolution that is sort of going on there is so many people who are relying on these ancient um, uh, techniques uh, and knowledge systems but at the same time local hybrid uh, knowledge systems which are not rooted in history but they're just continuous everyone has done it because that's the material lo- uh, available there and i feel like that's what i'm hearing for you guys also you've taken this very intentional step to go up to the mountains you're almost living off the grid your community living like almost like a commune like almost like a small little uh, you know space that you've invited the world to i bet that would have really altered the way uh, you are seeing the world around you as you are also finishing this experience is that happening with you of course i mean like I think we were when we started off we were also in a kind of a rebel mode as well that capitalism and this is bad and like it's the worst thing ever and you have to change that and change the world but eventually you come down to accepting the things and making a balance out of it because to be, for example to uh, empower the village you need some sort of capitalism so like re- finding the right ways to distribute the resources and yeah so there are a lot of things like that like even it has been a lot of an like an inward journey as well like you spend a lot of time with yourself in like when we are in delhi i think it's just chasing 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 everything and like there it just slows down because i remember this one very this happens every time we go back is like when we are here we'll like we'll do this we'll finish off the podcast we'll do everything we'll do the arts art as well we'll put everything out and as soon as we reach there it's like this is so typical of artists their friend who we have recorded <laughs> sumit roy do you remember yeah sumit again is like uh, has got so many uh, different um, you know skills he's a great singer he's an artist he's a designer he's you know just so many things and whenever he tells me what he's working on so what are you thinking so this year the number of things he tells me i'm like <sighs> he's like sab ho jayega and i feel yeah. like all creators yeah. like you design people artists in that matter yeah you cannot control yourself <laughs> yeah i think but that that's also a version of us in the in where it's fast paced like delhi is fast paced for me like it gets overwhelming sometimes and of course like i've worked with sumit and i mean i love that rush and the exhibitions then overnights and all of that that's 
absolutely amazing but when we go back there it's it also like grounds you to a level where you can pull yourself out and think about the choices that you're making and like think about how you think how you uh, what materials you're using how you're uh, like with people how much time you're spending with your family and things like that mm. so that is i think that grounds you and it gives you more time with yourself which is i'm sure with anyone they who has done that knows that it just like grows that growth is just at a very different tangent altogether so how much time do you spend in this or uh, in the village as of now compared to delhi what is the time distribution i think he stays yeah like he's there because he's also the the real architect <laughs> so he's <laughs> he's the driver like of the you keep copying out your i architect identity you yeah. like no me artist no <laughs> 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 to architect me artist <laughs> yeah because like i i'm i don't want to take that responsibility probably <laughs> because i'm not i've never practiced it so right obviously he the whole some. point of building this house is also to tell people that you don't need to be an architect hmm. so the biggest challenge for me was that being an architect i had to go through a lot of unlearning hmm. yeah that we only have been taught in like certain sense and like you can only use building in such a way here it has been such an intuitive experience mm. so you remember like how as children you maybe just took up like cushions bed sheets made your own forts or played yeah. doctor yeah. doctor or whatever not Absolutely. just children i have to do this every night doctor <laughs> 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 or maybe go to the beach and make sand castles so yeah. one minute it's a table the other minute it's a fort to <laughs> <laughs> a fort yeah <laughs> so we often you know like even the workshop residency we start with this image of like you know making people remember that if birds and animals and insects can make their own shelters we claim to be the most smartest species you know so why can't we we are just not in tune with our intuitive sense like we've just you know like taken up our conditioning so much that we've forgotten like what we really are intuitively like we should it's just that we've lost confidence in our like basic skills mm. so this is the human gut feeling human yeah. gut feeling so this house has been that like we have a living roof which is like garden on the top which is made like we didn't like hire any structure consultant for it because we just like every step you know we went with like gut feeling and somehow like universe played such a role whenever we needed some person who had some experience yeah. that internationally they just, they just they like appeared wow <laughs> and things happen only at the right time you know like we were trying to search wood for at least like a year for the house but when we came to the stage then only you know it appeared for us so mm. there's so many spiritual lessons on this journey mm. in terms of like dealing with people also like first day we got like really agitated with people and frustrated like how do we deal with this person mm. but we also need them to do the work you know and but then i think i read like this book how to win friends and influence people that changed my life like that self help book yeah that yeah. made me come out of the trap of sometimes those and, are the only things that help you you know <laughs> cuz you're like stop lecturing me everybody i just need yeah. to read like a quick book you know yeah, yeah. so i think that the whole dealing with people has been like the biggest change and how we perceived city initially we were like okay city is bad why are we living here but then we like no we also like city so 
and uh, we also don't believe in like balance we believe in counter balance you know like do it in phases don't try to keep like work life balance is also a myth like it's just another rabbit hole another trap cuz i guess like yeah. when you when you craft a balance also then you yeah. get into the same cycle of a conditioned lifestyle right yeah. like okay every summer i will go up to the mountains right. and every winter i will come to the plains and if you you know intend upon that then you don't you might miss out on wonderful exactly. opportunities um that may come up like a blooming of a particular fragrant tree in that tiny farm lab uh, that could be yeah. incorporated into the house in some way definitely mm-hmm. yeah and also probably detachment that's something that i think we both experienced very strongly because last year uh because this obviously the house has taken longer than we expected and last year we had to leave it without the roof and we had just covered it with tarp and uh, all of that and we didn't know what will happen to it and even in our daily daily life like if we have planned that okay today the wood will come or today this is what we have to do and if it rains then like there's nothing in your control yeah so it teaches you a lot of that that most things are not in your control so just like don't be uh put that on yourself and god i wish i had learned that lesson because i can't control every tiny aspect that's of my, my favorite hobby actually mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know i'm just trying to control everything, everything. The, the so that the funniest story sorry do get yeah, yeah. good the, the funniest story was like when we just had gone there like in 2021 and i think the second wave of covid was happening and oh. we were just you know like getting into the life of like learning skills and that time lockdown happened and we were getting calls from delhi that things are so bad the hospital beds are so full so we were already freaking out even though it was just a small village and my mom like parents were worried like you're just alone there is everything good and there was this medical team which was sent by the government like to get covid test done and we were doing well like health wise so we got tested and the team actually called the whole village in the house where there was already one case and that's where like the whole uh, scan happened like testing and all we were already like we were like coming from city trying to put logic in everything and then people yeah. were like not afraid they were like having fun around and after the test it was raining for like two days continuously and the reports were supposed to come and the neighbor calls ansh you know like come to me and then she goes and whispers in his ear you are positive <laughs> and the both of them are not wearing masks she's more masks. worried kisi ko nahi bataungi main tumhe bata deti hu and they both are not wearing masks and i'm like okay and ansh ansh is speaking out and he's like i'll isolate and keep everything like keep everyone away from me and you also yeah, stay yeah just went in the room okay <laughs> and whole village who was present in the village at the point came into my room <laughs> and he's like just do some exercises you'll be fine and i was so very checking his oxygen and like i was preparing it was raining for two days straight yeah. next morning i thought i'll go to the city the city was at least 15 kilometers where you get a medical uh, like medicines and all and i'm trying yeah. to like kick start my scooty the next mm. morning and the neighbor is like where are you going and i'm like to the city to get there he's like the bridge went away last night so you can't go anywhere yeah so oh. we got stuck there and with this case then we realized you know like life is so uncertain and k 
chaos can always like ruin your plans yeah and, and that's when also like that hit that this is like what you have chosen now <laughs> yeah luckily like we i had no symptoms as such but yeah like that was one of the it is a very funny story but mm-hmm. could have been a lot i know and i think yeah. now that we speak of it it's you know we've all making light of covid because we're all now used to it and everyone yeah, has yeah. some immunity but that second wave time it was a scary really time scary. you know like if someone had covid you were yeah, paranoid yeah. and what not it was but i really yeah. found it uh, quite uh, amusing or in fact crazy that we as a country expected forms of isolation when like you said that's not in our culture we don't yeah. have a, a concept of personal space yeah. we are the exact culture. opposite of japan i feel like yeah. they they have such a great sense of personal space but here yeah. in our country no our parents don't even knock before entering our door so there's no i mean if you tell your parents <laughs> can you please knock before entering they're like what are you doing yeah. <laughs> what wrong thing are you doing there's no right to privacy yeah no like that concept doesn't exist because you know even and especially when you move out of the cities you yeah. know there is no concept of personal space you shared a family shares one room right. um you know and you have to go to the marketplace to get whatever you need yeah. or you don't have apps in you know <laughs> the remote parts so you don't have bridges clearly in the remoter parts of india so yeah. yeah i guess that's a bit of an eye opener on the life you've chosen and it does seem like and a lot of people did it during covid a lot of people moved to the mountains yeah. but when the world normalized they kind of like moved back you guys had obviously chosen to stay on <laughs> yeah i mean we went we went there i mean we went there before the second wave and we didn't expect obviously no one expected the second wave Absolutely. as it was mm. so it was it was also like a blessing in disguise because then you don't have to be in like four walls we were taken care we got so much love like even mm. if you're taking that much like we had kids and we were like he was taking some uh, maths classes and all of that Aww. with them i did some art with them so we had them every day for a few hours with us mm. but then like we isolated ourselves from them of course like that was just a mental thing but all of everyone like helped us with food they were always taking care if you need something if you're going to the city you'll get it and all of that so it was very different than staying inside a room and you're you knock and there's a plate there yeah. like yeah. Which, things can't work if you don't work as a community especially yeah. if you're living such remote lives where elephant is visiting you have to keep informing each other yeah. like okay the elephant is here now mm. be careful come back on time yeah. so there's like so much happening that you have to be like you know act as a community even though you might have your own differences in the family also mm. but you have to stick together yeah. like yeah. in these times so mm. that's a lesson there and also you don't have boundary walls yeah in villages so that's it's quite open so you can like yeah. totally see what the other kids yeah. are to yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. um so. another thing you guys said in that video that anika shared with me was that um, and you rightly pointed out that i mean we talk about pollution in cities all the time and i mean this is a personal pet peeve of mine is like the amount of unregulated construction that's now in our cities and clearly the amount of environmental damage that's causing what could be some of the practices that maybe like cities could adopt from your little like idealistic experiment to maybe have better more sustainable practices in place construction wise 
I think firstly that's a very good question. But what we need to see is from a very interdisciplinary perspective, right? So that is why we also like try and work with multidisciplinary teams. So we can't just approach it from the point of view of an architect. Correct. So I'll explain why. But just to give an analogy, if a botanist is going to the forest, that person is seeing, you know, like what kind of trees are there. The forest engineer will see the tree growth, how thick the tree is. The climate activist will see the deforestation, and a capitalist would see like the land value there. But what you have to see together, you know, like the whole holistic perspective of the land. Similarly, what is happening in cities, like I can quote for like Delhi. So you talk a lot about Delhi houses and the era before the stilt houses, right? Yeah. So it's not that concrete was like so bad or something similar, but the houses are meant to last. But because we bought in such economic policies that you can build G plus three, G plus four, so you can't fight human nature. Firstly, mm. you know that mm. the greed is always there. Yeah. Why would you like keep sitting in a G ground floor bungalow when you can build three floors and sell it to two to the builder? So you need to see it like from the material perspective, from the economic side perspective, from urban design. Like so many people can come into this piece like picture yeah. to you know like uh, make a sustainable model so construction industry right now is responsible for more than 40% of the carbon emission which is like more than i think one yes. i think the delhi particulate matter is especially high not only because of the crop burning pollution but all because that happens at certain points in mm -hmm. time but all year round i think it is the construction, construction yeah i think every house i have lived in delhi Construction has started next door within the first year of me moving in. Yeah. Every place I have gone. Likewise in Vasan Kunj also, I think. So I think you see like architects will only do some certain things and of course there needs to be awareness, but it's like the holistic policy making, everything needs to come together, you know, to come up with such solution. For example, like you mentioned somewhere like Kyoto Protocol and things like that, how even Bhutan has somehow like mentioned that you should keep at least you know 67% forest cover no matter yes. how much urbanization happens hmm. in Kyoto Japan you might have seen how seriously they take their like so get it do you plants. remember when we were in Japan together we were somewhere in a forested path and then we looked at the trees and I said just notice all the trees are in a straight line it was a wild forest but when we looked the trees were in a straight line and that's what happened with Kyoto protocol and stuff mm -hmm. like that but yeah in Delhi with this pollution Unless there isn't like a complete overhaul of how forest interacts with water, interacts with surface cover, interacts with covered surface yeah. area, till that time particulate matter cannot go down. I mean, you have a child. It's just the yeah. worst thing to be in the city with a newborn baby, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's something as parents we really struggle with. Like, I mean, I'm all for cities and I've chosen to live in a city and I'm a, definitely a city girl, but now as a parent, I have doubts about the fact that I wouldn't raise kids in, in a polluted city. So that does happen. So you're basically saying there's no simple solution <laughs> to yeah, this. Yeah, I think it's a very complex <laughs> problem. It has to, I, I guess it also has to include the people who intend to stay in that house. That's yeah. what I was telling them uh, also earlier is like with the farm when you're building out this uh, mud house, you've so gently built that house. You know, my hope and prayer in the future is that everyone who does come to that house later on also treats it that delicately as it is built, you know, 
like uh, now we've started treating homes and uh, homes are no longer homes they're flats now they're apartments now mm. so they are like you know come and go you know that disposition of like not having any permanent state of attachment is not there so when you don't have that you're like kind of rough with something right but like that kind of softness towards a, uh, a building a home is is kind of disappeared amongst a, a very large generation which is sad so um I would like to add on to it. Like that's a very good point and one of the most important point why we built using this technique core because it's very sculptural. So the idea is like when you're getting married, you know, like how do you get your like clothes stitched? You know, it's like perfect. You choose every yeah. color. It's like suiting your to your personality. Fit. Fit. It should be comfortable. There's so much you think about when you like. Like you know, take your wedding dress or whatever. But when it comes to your house, you're just buying flats, which are like boxes. Yeah. And it needs to be the most like personalized item. Of course, you can like fill it with your favorite artworks and things. But like just to like make it from like the scratch and having every space, you know, tailored to your needs. And one thing is that you're building with mud, and another thing is that you're building it beautifully. So there are so many patterns, you know, like mm. which we have as a personality that we can take into account while building our own house. Mm. And there's a Chinese saying that uh, I don't know the Chinese saying, but it translates to a man builds a house and he dies. Basically, it's such an act that takes so much effort, yeah. money, physical Dying. effort that. You only build it once. That's what like our families used to do it earlier. Right yes. now, when it has become so difficult for millennials to buy a house, or either they're not it's choosing. Almost impossible. It. Now. Yeah, it's impossible. If you don't have generational wealth now in Delhi, you, you can't cannot buy houses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if you wanted to take uh, financial assistance from the banks and such, you still need a significant yeah. amount of generational yeah. wealth to uh, be able to access that loan. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. As cool Yeah. It's 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 rather. It's rather sad how uh, how and it's like villages. It's like this uh, reverse movement that you guys sort of represent. You know, the villages coming to the city, getting abandoned, becoming coast villages, and then there are there is a new generation of young people all over the world. Like, do you, were you ever addicted to something like van life or like tiny houses or like? decks on on youtube during the lockdown because i was addicted to van life and i all i wanted to do was like get in this small uh, off the grid build like a off the grid vehicle and then do whatever work i'm doing to make money to sustain this tiny little lifestyle i want yeah. so there is like people who are accessing that and making that a way of life and you know going up there um, and doing that and i just feel uh, but do you feel actually i don't know what i feel but i would like to know what you feel yeah. do you feel like society is Sort of acknowledging how cities are getting absolutely saturated, and that we just need to like ease off on the cities and like, you know, change our lifestyle a bit. Um, so, like with the tiny, um, the whole tiny movement is that's where I think both of us got interested in like during our architectural schools. Uh, we did our theses on that, dissertations on that. So one thing that we did realize. Uh, was that in India the houses are anyways tiny? Like the tiny house movement was in terms of square area, right? So, like I did my dissertation with the informal chai shops and uh, like in at the on the Vasant Kun Street from Chhatrapur mm. to the mall. So all I mapped all of them and, and then designed like 
more tribal homes and shops for them. Okay, cool. So in that is when like I got questions ab- about like already we are living in like tiny houses. All of these people are living in smaller areas. Yeah, they're one room. So, yeah. You know, yeah. it's a one room little establishment for mm. usually families. Yeah. Yes, families. mother, father, grandma and children yeah. sleeping all on one large yeah. thrown away mattress. Mm. Yeah. But for from the privilege that we are discussing all of this is uh, it surely comes from the lifestyle choice. So the tiny house movement inspired us to then choose this thing and like we called it initially we started a blog and everything called tiny af so it's like tiny as fuck and it's called it's either you're going to have to uh, beep that one up. yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay but like the idea was basically that we 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 have a tiny amount of life and we are tiny as uh, we are very tiny in the large scheme, scheme of things, of things. And so we do things that matter to us. We be with people who matter to us. Mm. We eat what matter to us, and like things like that. Yeah. So that's how it all started. High choice, high ambition, and uh, leading to a more intentional life seldom happens. I feel like when people have high choice, high life, uh, they generally go for high, like uh, you know, lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, but some people kind of recognizing how much they are taking from the yeah. planet and giving so little back mostly keeping for themselves there are very few people who realize yeah. the difference in uh, you know I, i think everything you said was very profound but and to understand the smallness of just one lifetime yeah. is 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 humbling i feel yeah yeah i remember like we made this animation in which there are like a lot of rats running in one direction and then one rat stops and looks at our uh, like tiny f written there and contemplates and becomes a part of it mm. so that's what the whole idea was to build that community who is like minded in this way and, and now it's like our mission also to help like most people yeah you know like let them know what mistakes we did and how you could like you know easily learn from our mistakes as moving to the like such a countryside and how they can also live the dream life because eventually people are working so hard like if you ask them why are you like working so hard in the end they'll say one day i want to like exactly. live in the countryside with yeah. horses and yeah the retirement <laughs> dream the dream in yeah. fact there's that story i mean i don't remember it exactly but it's about a man fishing and it's like a capitalist meets this man fishing and he's like uh, he kind of like realizes that this man is already living his dream life yeah. and this this businessman capitalist is working like 20 hour days to do with that the d- dream of retiring and spending his days fishing you know yeah. so it is it is a little bit of a perspective shift for sure but we're going to be running out of time a little yeah. bit i want to ask you guys do you see yourselves like living in this house with this form of life forever like 40 years from let now? me guess creative people like this i don't think they're going to stop here <laughs> they're going to build this they're going to make it and then they're going to create something else and later am i wrong no because you're an artist you can't help yourself mm. anyway and you're an architect i, I don't think you can stop mm. thinking about the next thing you want to do is it yeah yeah but to us like the very important theme has always been while choosing this lifestyle is the freedom of time yeah so you're not looking to become rich but wealthy it's like creating more time freedom becoming more location agnostic maybe yeah. you know like creating systems and models 
where we free our time even more right now we put in so much time because we wanted to but maybe after this and also this place doesn't have all the comforts that we realize because our mom had come there and she fell four times and she mm. swore yeah. not to come again <laughs> until the inauguration time and stuff mm. like that but we realize you know sometimes your dreams are quite extreme but once you have to like also become a little yeah. practical and pragmatic like comforts are also necessary right now we are at a age where we could you know like carry this heavy 25 kg rice in our backpacks and travel but maybe yeah. when we have our partners and when we are looking to you know like have families we have to think from that perspective, perspective yeah. and there's so many friends who have been telling us that one day we'll build an eco village together and like live their home school our children and all this that's there in the bigger vision scheme of things but i think it's a good start right yeah. now i think we're like both very curiosity driven and one of the major parts has been travel so we want to get back in and that's what basically the community that we found while traveling inspired us to yeah take this life as well so we would like to go back to that as well and of course the lifestyle would be a similar one like because we are eating better we are our routines are better things that inculcate in yourself basically like, yeah. we have tasted that freedom now you know like yeah. even if we like situations put us back into the freedom of the wild the freedom of the wild yeah mm. it's like you know davel ravi can't says that once you like taste the freedom you can't be employed again so <laughs> yeah we, we are in that mode in a way mm. but at least we realize that not here but somewhere we would really would like to be close to nature but not only close to nature there's so many people in delhi who are close to nature but we need to keep engaging with nature so that's what our plan is and yeah it's like into the wild life you've seen into the wild at the end yeah. he writes like happiness is true only when shared yeah so like we'll have to we'll love to have all the friends and families there to enjoy that with us as well yeah. and have that comfortable environment for everyone to be able to like Yeah. Well, I have to give you guys a lot of credit. I mean, I feel like these are the type of conversations you have with people, you know, in a very like ideal sort of dream world, and there are very few people who actually manage to go and make it any form of reality. Yeah. So I mean, it's quite uh, inspiring and commendable that you guys Absolutely. have actually managed to do this, and you've managed to sort of like, you know, put it into action. That's yeah. that's a put into action something that requires heavy manual labor. Like that is amazing, guys. you know is yeah, it and giving up the unknown for the unknown you know is mm. it uh, that that's not a, i mean i'm a creature of like comfort and if like something is if something is not it's it's like kind of like if it's not broken yeah getty getty <laughs> is very much similar to my sister as well like they like a little bit of order da 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 so getty and me used to go horse riding from time to time and she is a very poised rider you know she's been trained right and i've grown up on like uh, i can control a horse i will not fall and i like to Anika, raise the horse please. so <laughs> we are going on the trail right and then my horse decides to take off because the new horse i'm riding but i have no problem i'm like wee and then getty comes later after my horse stops galloping she's like that is really bad manners anika <laughs> that is not good at all <laughs> it's it's really irritating because you know horses are herd animals if the first one starts galloping all of them start galloping <laughs> now we you're, you're not supposed to just let your horse gallop off and have all the other horses galloping yeah. with them we're all controlling our horses 
But Anika, but Anika, I think you would you would do really well. You, I think you need to go and help these I guys. I need to. I need to. I the first time he, the very first time he told me, I think before he could finish a sentence, I already said, I promise you that I will come there. It's just that uh, I haven't gone yet. I when did I hear? Like six, seven months ago yeah. about this, uh, and we've not really had a summer. It's been it's been a strange, strange mm. weather this year. You know, it's you, just the monsoon. You <laughs> actually this year in terms like climate change, this year has been one of those years where all throughout the year. You've been warned. Stay indoors. Don't go out. Go out only if necessary. Hasn't yeah, this year been kind yeah, of like that? True. And yeah, so I hope now the following months are not like that. Please, yes, yes, we are both most welcome yes. whenever. I mean, <laughs> it sounds whenever fun. I mean, I would love to definitely check it out. I think Anika will make a trip. Yeah. Maybe uh, a little Before sooner than, than I will. Okay, so thank you guys for joining us, thank you so and much for thank you all for tuning in. We'll catch thank you next you. time.